This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, the show must go on time. At least it's not Alabama week time, so there's that time. Again, though, the show must go on time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a a tiny bit chilly, but mostly pleasant uh, Monday afternoon here at Fort Rucker Studio in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee will not play this weekend. The Vols will be going down to play at Bryant-Denny Stadium to play the Alabama Crimson Tide in the third Saturday in October, even when it's not the third Saturday in October. That's all right. It is what it is. Tradition means nothing anymore, and nothing means anything anymore. Not just me on this podcast, guys. Uh, we got to talk about it. Tennessee football, clearly. Uh, we got to talk about the Ole Miss game over the weekend, the fallout from that, the injury situation, much more. But we've also got to talk recruiting at the tail end of this episode. So filling in for Patrick Brown today, we have the one and the only Ryan Callahan from his home daycare center there across town. Ryan, my man, what is up? Not much, man. I, I'm just a fill-in for Patrick now, man. Well, well, no, normally Pat comes on Mondays in the postgame. So when he's not there, I just say he's not there. So I didn't mean like I, I could have worded that better yeah. than fill in, but like in lieu of, you know, in the past not here, but you're the guy who can talk about both things. You know, like if I'm I just if we asked if we asked Pat about recruiting, he could answer, um, but it would not mean what it would mean coming from you, if that makes sense. You, you act like I'm just the three point specialist who gives Michael Jordan a breather for three minutes. Hey, there you go, right? You just come in hey, come in and shoot jumpers, man. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Still, still, still gets the bills paid. Still gets the bills paid. And, and here's here's what here's what's good, Ryan. We we um, since Pat and I did this podcast that we recorded it from like three fifteen to four a.m. on on Sunday morning. Gosh, uh, probably did not have a lot of great detail on some things. I, I haven't gone back and listened to it yet. I just made sure we didn't drop any f bombs, and then was like, ah, cut it, let's go. Um, but I, it's hard to encapsulate everything that occurred in that game. And and we'll do that, but before we do that, we do need to mention uh, a couple of quick notes. We spoke with Josh Heupel just about an hour ago as we're recording this. It's about 1.40 Eastern or so now on Monday afternoon. And uh, Josh Heupel did say, and again, everything that Josh Heupel says about injuries has to be taken with a grain of salt. Every single thing, every word that he utters about injuries has to be taken with a grain of salt. But We're not he, saying he lies. He just he, no, doesn't he, say things, he, he, really. He obfuscates. He uh, talks yes. around it or or clouds the issue or changes the subject. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not calling the man a liar because I've not caught him lying. Um, but he does uh, at least obfuscate probably is a fair way to put it. And, again, that's his right. That's his team. That's that's. There is no rule in the SEC or in college football that says you must discuss injuries. There is no rule that says you must do that. And every competitive ed- advantage you can find when you don't have nearly as many scholarship guys as the rest of college football or the rest of major college football, you do what you got to do. So I'm again, I, I, this is not a complaint. This is just me throwing it out there, saying this is how he is about injuries. So just take this, take this with a grain of salt. But he did say that he did not think Hendon Hooker's injury was a long term injury. He classified him as day to day, along with Cade Mays uh, and others, and he said sort of day to day going into this week. That surprised me, to be frank, uh, based on things that I had heard. Maybe that was just initial concerns about, about how bad it was and how bad it looked when he you know, was, had to be helped off the field. 
If that is true, Ryan, that is enormous news for Tennessee. It is, uh, you know, because let, let's face it, I, I, I don't think we will we will discuss the Alabama game at some point uh, in more detail, probably on Thursday's podcast. I'm guessing more so than today, but yes, this. This week is not what's going to define the rest of Tennessee's season. The, the games that will, that will most determine how Tennessee finishes this year are, are ahead. And mostly that Kentucky game in, in three weeks is the one. You've got Alabama and then an open date, and then you go to Kentucky. So to me, I, I'd be very surprised if Hendon Hooker played in this game, uh, personally. I, I could be wrong. Makes Maybe two, he that, is. that makes two of us. Yeah, maybe it is just a day-to-day thing, and he'll be out there, and and we'll be pleasantly surprised. But I, I'm going into this week thinking that if there's any question at all about his status, you've got to rest him, get him two weeks of rest, really three weeks is what it would be, and have him ready to go against Kentucky on November six, if that's an option. Uh, and I, I would think that's in play if this is not an injury of the season-ending variety. And then, based on Josh Heupel's answer, again. We've yet to, to catch him in a lie. I don't think a season-ending injury falls under the day-to-day category. So I think the only thing, based on what we, what he said, is maybe we can conclude he's not done for the year. Anything short of that is in place still to me. So yes. um, I would, but I would say that yeah, that that does not fans should not take that to me to as a sign that he's going to play this week. But uh, yeah, if I'm Tennessee and and hey, coaches uh, approach it however they want. I'm not saying you punt the game, but. I'm not taking any chances this week with a guy like Hendon Hooker, whose whose health is so important to this team's chances of beating someone like Kentucky. If you've got any chance of winning that game um, with Hendon Hooker, you, you've got to do everything possible to make that happen. So we'll see what happens this week. But I, I would take day to day, as you said, kind of with a grain of salt and more. You know, he's not going to come out right now and say week to week. But to me, that's that's how I would look at it. I, I would be surprised if he plays this week. And if they had a game next week, it would maybe be in the discussion a bit more, but because it's an open date, this is a perfect opportunity to just get him ready for what's really the most important game left on Tennessee's schedule at, at, at Kentucky in three weeks. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll put it this way, Ryan. I, I'm not saying that, that I would punt this game. Uh, I would quick kick it though. Uh, you know, I, I, I would uh, be very, very careful with this game because it, you know, you want to teach your players the value of going to win every game you play competing the same every day, thinking every every week is the same, go out there with the same focus in mind. Uh, but at some point, it, it, it's like if you're trying to play an 18-hole golf course, right, and you know there's like these big, huge water hazards and bunkers all over this par five uh, that's in the middle, and, and you think maybe, man, if I could eagle or birdie this, man, that would be a huge deal. But I could also get like a nine, uh, and, and I could ruin this entire round. So let's go ahead Hit a hit a hit a three wood, lay it up, and then go for the green with the wedge. I, I don't know that you want to try to get there in two on this green. I, I I just I don't I don't know that this is the week for that. I think last week was the week for that, which to be candid made me a little bit surprised that Tyon Evans did not play uh, because watching him in warmups because uh, he was out there uh, in his in, you know in his he was pat, he was padded up at least you know in the lower half and he was wearing cleats and he was catching balls. He and then he got fully dressed for warmups and he he was catching balls he was running he did look like he was favoring that ankle but he was out there running and I thought you know I I, I think they might try him and then and then they didn't so last week was the week maybe to do that Kentucky would be the week to do that I don't think going to Alabama playing playing Bama in Bryant Denny at night prime time I don't know that that's the the best time to be throwing out guys who are 50 50. Well, and 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 to that point, I, I I wonder if we will see Tyon Evans this week. I think it's possible because he didn't play Saturday. You know, he didn't really practice all last week, from my understanding. So I I don't think he, I, I think it was a sort of a hail mary to get him out there during warmups. That was the plan all along, obviously. But they were just I think trying to see like rest him all week and then just see how it goes Saturday. And and once they saw, you know, to me he looked like he was running pretty gingerly uh, a lot of times he, he didn't I, I wasn't shocked that he didn't play I just thought they might you know limit severely limit his workload or something but just holding him out made, made sense given what what we saw I thought but that I, I do wonder if this week he'll be better to the point that he can give it a go 
Um, but I, I do think Cooper Mays, you know, another another guy. I'd be I'd be surprised if he plays in this game because he's been banged up. He he came back, you know, for the the Ole Miss game. Probably was still not a hundred percent, but gave it a go. You know, I, I I think you probably hold him out of this game. Try to get him healthy for the stretch run. So I yeah, I, there were time, there say, were times Ryan he tried to get himself back in the game uh, against, yeah. against Ole Miss because there would be times like when a uh, you know when when Cade went down or or the play where. You know, Spragans lost his helmet. Like Cooper Mays was like throwing on his helmet, like "Let's go, let's go," and they were putting someone else in the game instead. So it looked like they were holding him back, and, and he wanted to be out there, and they chose not to. Yeah. So, and, and the tough part about this for Tennessee, and I, and again, I, I don't, I'm not saying you just approach this game with a punt it mentality, but I, you know, injury wise, if you've got somebody like that that would just be stretching it to a little bit to play in this game. Maybe you play him, I because you still have the open date on the backside to to give guys a couple weeks of rest. But I, I to me, I I want that extra week of rest for for a couple guys like that who are who have just been banged up for for a lot of the season so far. But the tough part is, who's to say they can't give Alabama a game? I mean, I, that that might sound crazy. And Tennessee opened as a huge underdog, four touchdowns, but the way this offense is and, and Ole Miss played at Tennessee very well and, and obviously gave Alabama some good things to study on yes, film. Where yes, even they if, did. Yes, they did. Even if, even if Hendon hookers out there, you know, you, you've got a tougher time now because Ole Miss uh, came up with a good game plan clearly for, for what Tennessee does offensively. But if, if the Tennessee offense we saw against Missouri and South Carolina, and maybe those are just bad teams, we'll find out more. But if the, if that offense shows up again, at some point, Tennessee's capable of hanging with anybody. Uh, on the right day because of the what the, the challenges they present and this Alabama team has shown with the, the Texas A&M game and at other times you could you could hang around with them I, I'm not saying Tennessee could could upset Alabama but I I, I, d- I definitely don't think if you're Josh Heupel when you're trying to set the culture um, and the the expectation level for this program you certainly can't go into this one giving players the impression that you're that you're punting because I, I think this is a program that's, that's going to be a thorn in the side for teams like Alabama, even if they don't win those games, you know, we've, we've only seen them get blown out. And even, even that one wasn't that bad against Florida. So until further notice, I think this is a competitive team and we'll, we'll see what kind of roster they have available Saturday, but yeah, that's going to be the big storyline again is the health of this team and, and trying to field an offensive line in particular, that's not uh, just going to get manhandled by Alabama because that was clearly a struggle not just Saturday, but but definitely Saturday in particular. Eleven sacks in the past two games. They've got to find some way to give whoever's back there at quarterback uh, a better opportunity to make some throws. Yeah, that's why I, I'm choosing my words carefully here, Ryan. I'm saying don't punt the game, but you might quick kick a little bit. Like you might, yeah. you might, you, you might be careful with how you handle things this week. And I think that would be. In my well, in my opinion, at least that would be justified. But again, I mean, if a coach is saying, you know what, you know, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, and he wants to go out there and do everything he he can to to go out there and 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 try to throw everything against the wall to see if you can give a team like Alabama a hard game. Maybe maybe go in there and win. Even hey, that's no problem. If that's you want to set the culture of your team, you got a bye week next week. If you want to roll the dice, go out there and do it, man. That's. There, there's no 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 complaints like that on, on my end if you do something like that, certainly. The one thing I wonder, though, is we're going to spend a lot of time this week discussing, you know, Hendon Hooker and the quarterback situation and, you know, Joe Milton III and Harrison Bailey and yada, yada, all kinds of other stuff, right? We're going to do that. But we probably need to discuss what's going on with Cade Mays just as much because they're not as good without him out there you know, understatement of the year. But Dane Davis did improve as the as the game went on. He got a little better. You know, they helped him a little bit more with Fant Warren and some of those guys chipping, doing some other things. But they're better when Cade's out there. And this offense, this hypo offense, the only way that you can for sure, for sure contain this offense, and it is the only way, it is really the only way, is if you beat the crap out of it up front. If you if you if if you whip up that the the front uh, consistently, like Ole Miss did at times in that first half, you're going to make it hard on that offense. But if that offense can protect you just a little bit, um, then you can you have the opportunity to put up big numbers because they spread the field, they make you uncomfortable, they go at tempo, they just they make you uncomfortable if they can protect a little bit. They they do, and and this is uh, 
<laughs> this is going to be an offense that, that gives a lot of people fits until, uh, you know, it's, and until people expect more of them, they're going to be more of a thorn in the side, but they're, they're ahead of schedule a little bit with what they're, with what they're doing. I, I was very impressed by what they did Saturday night against, against Ole Miss um, both sides of the ball um, to, to hang around in that game and, and put up that kind of fight, you know, and that's, that's what I've heard from, we'll get into this more later, but from recruits even at, at Saturday's game, um, just the, the, the response to, to Tennessee playing well against a ranked opponent. So yeah, they're they're going to be a, a difficult matchup, and and they've they've they need to be healthy again. That's that's the most important thing. They've got to somehow get that offensive line in as good of a sh- good of shape as possible for the stretch run. Um, you know, they they know the situation better better than we do clearly. So that it, it obviously depends on the injury and the uh, the the prognosis in general. You know, it might be a, an injury for both Cade Mays and for Hendon Hooker that, that keeps them out this week regardless. So it might not be a there might not be a decision to make, but uh you, you gotta have those guys healthy uh to to have this offense firing on all cylinders. And, and even with those guys out there, let's face it, Tennessee's had some pass protection issues and things like that. Without uh w- without Cade Mays out there Saturday night, it was it was rough at times. Dane Davis did some good things as as multiple people said Monday, Josh Heupel included, but it, it was not a, it was not a strong, strong performance to where you can say, okay, we, we could live without Cade Mays for a week and not really feel, feel a big part of that loss. You're going to feel that loss. Uh, no doubt if he's not out there. So we will see, uh, see what his status is, but you're right. That's a big, big question mark for Tennessee going into this week and, and going forward. You know, I saw that injury happening as that, you know, as that play was blown dead. Tennessee was about to go for it on fourth down and you see Cade Mays go down awkwardly. And I said, that didn't look good. So not surprised that it turned out to be what it was, but obviously we'll have to wait and see over maybe the next couple of weeks, what the real extent of that injury was, because, you know, again, day to day from Josh Heupel, not, not a whole lot you can take from that. So we'll, we'll have to keep digging this week to see what we can find out. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning there that the, just how, bad I, I you know a lot of us feel for Cade Mays doing that because you know he he left a really good situation at Georgia um you know in, in part because of obviously the awkward thing you know with his dad and all that that's that's obviously true but also you know he's he's a good enough player where there it's not like they would have held that against him and not played him you know he, he he's a good player he was gonna play and, and he left what right now looks like the best football team in the country uh, and he left in part because he wanted to come home, play with his brother, and, you know, kind of fulfill that dream he had as a kid of, of playing for UT. And he went out there, and he told Heupel Saturday night it was the best atmosphere he had ever seen in Neyland Stadium his entire life, going as a fan, going as a player, anything. And then for that to happen so early in the game, uh, really, I don't want to say it distraught him, but it definitely ate at him. It, it's been bothering him now. It's It's been a rough couple of days for him because – he wanted to be involved in that, and in his mind, he's thinking, "Man, if I had been able to play, that could have been the difference." And you know, guys think that way, and it's a competitive way to think. So it's not like it's an unhealthy way to think; it's a competitive way to think. Um, but you got to feel for him a little bit. Uh, but the good news is, he was walking around on it even Saturday night. So I think that at least maybe makes you think that it's something that he can get back get back to. At you know sometime in the near future. I, I think so. And I, again, that's, that's what I take away from Josh Heifel's comments. <laughs> we, we can dissect them all day and you won't find much more meaning in there. But I, the one thing I took from the day to day was I, I think if that was season ending, he would fess up to it. I, I think he would probably go ahead and reveal that I could be wrong. Um, but I, I, I think he would go ahead and uh, and put that out there, you know, Juwan Mitchell's, uh, season ending surgery. I don't, I don't think was, was, um, discovered for, for several days, but it's just because nobody asked about it. I think that, that no one had, uh, had, had found that news out sooner. So I, I don't think he would just lie about that again. I just think he's, uh, being coy about how long it might be. So, so we'll see this week again. Uh, maybe, maybe it's in question whether those guys play this week, maybe it's not, but I, I would be surprised if either of those guys was a season-ending injury based on Josh Heupel's words. So I, I think I think they'll be back. It's just a matter of when. And, you know, again, to, to me, the big thing is get those guys back as healthy as possible for that Kentucky game. Uh, you know, not to say that's the, uh, a super, super winnable game for Tennessee, but it is clearly the biggest swing game to me Kentucky, left on Tennessee's Kentucky schedule. doesn't score a lot of points. 
Yeah, and and until further notice, as long as Tennessee is scoring, you know, at least twenty six plus points a game, as we saw Saturday night, that's that's going to probably be enough for Tennessee to hang around in that game if they can do something similar against a good Kentucky defense. That's obviously going to be a challenge, but you score some points against Kentucky, you've got a shot. And uh, so I, I think that's definitely the biggest swing game left on Tennessee's schedule. You got to got to sort of get everybody as healthy as possible for that one. But you know, again, two two years ago, we didn't give that Tennessee team much of a chance to hang around at Alabama and, and look at what that game meant uh, to to fans by the by the fourth quarter when you know obviously the the the, the failed um, rogue quarterback sneak by Jarrett Garantano that, that, ha- such a... that happened to fall directly into the hands of a guy who's now tearing the NFL a new one as, yeah. as a rookie, yeah. right? But but the uh, but yeah, second year player, play, second year player, sorry. Yeah, no question. But that, but for that to be such a lightning rod play, you know, people were roped into that game. Tennessee was about to get right back in it, and and we kind of thought, hey, this is this is a it, it was an, it was a moment of affirmation for that team that they were starting to turn things around, and, and they they played better the rest of that year and, and made a made a solid bowl game and and had a good stretch run. So you can get something out of this game. So I, I I'm, I'm a big believer you got to take every game as seriously as possible. So if those guys' statuses are are in question this week, you know, maybe they do find a way to go. I, I, me on, on Monday though, I'm, I'm, I'll be a little bit surprised if we see Hendon Hooker and, uh, and Cooper Mays, you know, we'll see about Cade Mays. I don't know the extent of that one yet, but that's, that's uh, certainly a big one to watch for. They've, they've played without Cooper Mays because they've had to a few games. Haven't, haven't played a full game yet without Cade Mays. I I don't think you'd like to, if you could avoid that because yeah, there's clearly going to be some drop off there. Well, the last thing I'll say before going to break is I I think, because we'll talk about this more on Thursday, but I think this is an important topic on Monday because you're talking about the preparation for Alabama this week. I I think you don't want to do what Butch Jones did and come out with like saying the red team and all that other stuff. But, as with some other things with Butch, there was a kernel of truth inside the ridiculous capsule he placed around it. The The actual point there, uh, if you can say it without being ridiculous, is you have to treat this like it's any other game. You cannot treat it like this is a team that's beaten you badly for a while. You can't treat this yeah. as some you're playing some group of invincible superheroes. These guys on this team, they they know guys like Henry Toto are good players, but they also know that some of them have made plays against Henry Toto in practice before. They they know that some of these guys from recruiting, they know they can go out there and make plays against an opponent like this. Now, what, what what gets you in trouble is the Bama boa constrictor, right? That eventually you feel like that vice grip's going to turn, and and they're going to start giving you problems. But you know this is not a an impeccable Alabama team. This is not. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it will be by the end of the season. But this has not been one of Saban's best teams. This team does have some places where you go. Yeah, you you look like you can hurt them there, and if you spread them out, you make them uncomfortable. You make them go fast. Um, you know, you can maybe maybe make them uncomfortable. I think that's important. Is this week you just can't you can't listen to anyone, including us, including me, including you, Ryan, including anybody else in the media. You can't listen to anybody saying, "Oh, it's Alabama." You know, get scared. Like you got to go out there and look at them as another team. And you got to play the game. You do, and again, you're setting expectations. You're you're setting uh, the culture as they've tried to all year. I think that's a, that's been a big thing they're not going to approach this game any differently. I, I fully believe that I, I've seen this, this staff now in action for half a season. They're, they're going to remain consistent in their approach. And and I don't think you're going to see anything different from them this week. Uh, and, and I don't think they should do anything differently. Again, that this team, this playing, this style of football gives you a chance to surprise anyone on, on any given day. At, if Tennessee's offense can, can play, at, at something close to the level we saw against against Missouri and South Carolina in the first halves of those games, especially. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely going to see Tennessee, you know, give give out. I think they'll give Alabama some trouble at times, uh, at the very least. And and that's it's a it's a game where you need to do that. I, I don't. Th- I think it's important not to get blown out in this game if you can, <laughs> at the very least, because again, like you said, this is not the best Alabama team, at least so far that that we've seen in recent years. And it's a it's a team that looked pretty human at times against Texas A&M, although they they, they fought back and, and played really well in the second half of that game at times to, to get back in it and have a chance to win before Texas A&M just made some great plays down the stretch. But it's a it's a fallible team that if you catch them on the right day and, and that offense gives them some trouble and we've seen it, it's obviously worth noting a very similar offense at, at Ole Miss. 
give Alabama some trouble at times. This is exactly the type of system that has caused some problems for Alabama, that if you can play well in this game, you, you never know. You just never know. So, so those, the health status of those guys to me is obviously a major question. Everyone's going to be focused on Hendon Hooker because without him, you just don't feel good about the quarterback situation, obviously with, with Joe Milton and how that game ended Saturday night. And then if he's not the guy, the only other alternative is Harrison Bailey, a guy that this staff clearly has not felt comfortable really playing in any significant spot to, to this point. So that's a big question mark, but you know, with or without Hendon Hooker, I, I think you've still got to approach this like you've got a chance to win. I think that's a good way to end the first segment. We're, we're, we got a lot more to discuss, though. We, we got to maybe touch more on the quarterback situation. Uh, we do have to talk about the way Saturday's game ended, um, some per- potential repercussions from that. Uh, did, did it matter uh, to, you know, what's the SEC going to do about it? Nothing so far as I can tell at this point, but it's going to do something. Just don't know what it is yet. Um, we'll talk about that, talk about uh, some recruiting also, so some big recruiting news for Tennessee, some big visitors in over the weekend, plenty to discuss. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to step away and pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, before we come back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center on a on a beautiful, clear, sunny, tad bit, tad bit chilly, but a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking Tennessee football, talking Tennessee recruiting, talking all kinds of other things on this edition of the GoVols 24-7 podcast, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. After I give you this quick warning here, a quick quick promo for about 30 or 60 seconds, however long it takes. Guys, please go in there right now. Take 90 seconds out of your day. That's all it takes. Rate and review this podcast and mash that subscribe button. If you're just listening on the website, no problem with that. We love you. Uh, like Ron Swanson said about alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. The only thing, literally, literally, the only thing that we ask for is if you go in there, please take just, just, just take a minute out of your day and rate and review this podcast and hit that subscribe button. That helps us send this, uh, send this to more wolves in our wolf pack and grow this thing as we've been doing since we started it. Ryan... I don't think we need to belabor the point at quarterback, um, but we do need to discuss it, and we need to discuss the way Saturday's game ended with the fans and all that stuff. I guess since we've been talking quarterbacks, we'll just pick back up there. I I, I think uh, 
it, it Joe Milton the third is a really hard sell right now to Tennessee fans, but he is clearly the guy who Tennessee staff believes is the next best quarterback on this roster. So if Hendon Hooker can't go, it's gonna be at least to start the game Joe Milton the third, isn't it? I, I I don't know. I, I think I will say I think that's at least a little bit more in question now after Saturday night. I I mean I I'll say this: the last couple glimpses we've gotten of Joe Milton uh, against SEC opponents have not been good. They've, they've uh, he not. came in at the end of the end of the Florida game, uh, coming off that injury that that knocked him out of the pit game a couple weeks earlier, and he didn't look sharp at all on that final drive. Uh, had a couple really errant throws. And, and then he comes in Saturday, you know, makes a solid throw to, to get him down to about the 20-yard line, gives him a chance on the final two plays, throws a, a, an almost catchable ball on, on the first throw, to, on what should have been the first of two throws to the end zone. But then just the, the, the just brain-dead play, and that's what it was. It, that, it, it, just, it was legitimately, and I, I don't like to say these things about players. I'm not going to say it's a dumb player, but it's one of the dumbest moments I've ever seen from a player. It, it's a dumb play, and I'm sure Joe Milton would would tell you that himself right now. He he probably I'm knowing what we've heard about Joe Milton. I'm sure he feels as bad as anybody about that play now that it's happened. I, I think it's it's almost one of those. I, I, and again, it's just it's hard to put yourself in his shoes because you have to go into that snap knowing I'm throwing this ball one way or the other because and you have to think that way from the start because the approach has to be. If somehow I get pressured, which you know they're rushing only two or three guys, whatever, and dropping the rest into coverage, but you have to go in thinking, if I get pressured, I have to get rid of this ball one way or the other. So you have to be going into the play thinking, this ball leaves my hand no matter what. I can't get sacked. I can't run. I have to throw it. And so for him to end up doing that, I I, I got the feeling that as he crossed the line of scrimmage, it was one of those, oh, crap moments. Like, I'm, I'm committed to this now. But then I don't understand. I, I as you I got, watched, you, you have you have to lateral it. You have to treat it like yeah, a speed as, option. Just you know what? Throw it back across the field. If Ole Miss picks it up and runs it ninety yards for a touchdown, who cares? You've still lost the game. I thought that was the approach, honestly. As I saw him running toward the sideline, I said, "Oh, he's setting this up to throw back across the field like a desperation kick return, not the play I would have made. Low percentage chance, but maybe it's something like that." And then he just goes out of bounds. So like. At, at every point in the play, he made a dumb decision. There's no way around it. Um, but, but it, again, it comes down to ability. It comes down to trust. It comes down to a lot of things. And if, if Hendon Hooker's not available, I don't know what the staff would do. But I'll say this. I, I question where Joe Milton's confidence level is coming off his last two outings. Um, I, I question, at least it's on the road. I think being at home, yes, it, it could be almost a distraction. 100% agree. Because because uh, he could get booed pretty quickly in that game if if uh, you know some errant passes or bad decisions whatever and and it could could get could could definitely become an issue for him on the road not likely to become as much of an issue with that uh, but if he has to play you know I, I I don't know what this staff would do uh, at this point because that that play Saturday night is just such a such a tough one to live with and uh, you know Josh Heupel is not going to completely throw his player under the bus he said what he can say which is it's not the not the play they would have wanted to, to try to make at that point. He's got to put it in the end zone somehow. That, that's all you're going to say. But uh, again, Joe Milton's a, a, a what 22 year old guy or so that's that's probably beating himself up about that play. No question, he he should have done something different, and he knows it. Everybody knows it. But it is it is something that has to shake your confidence in him at some level, and it just depends on whether the gap between Milton and Bailey in this staff's minds is so large. I think it is that, pretty large still. And, and it could be, it could be, it might be too much, but, uh, but I, it's going to come down to that. It's, it's how much do we as a staff weigh what we've seen from Joe Milton recently versus how we view Milton and Bailey as overall players. And, and it, and it, it's about upside. It's about trust level. You know, do you, do you trust Harrison Bailey to go in there and not, not turn the ball over things like that? Cause Joe Milton wasn't turning the ball over a lot when we saw him play oh. as a starter earlier this year. So, um, there, there are things about him that, that were pluses, but his no question. His I, athleticism behind the, you know, behind an offensive line that might struggle. His athleticism, which is yeah. certainly, it's not Hendon Hooker's, but it's better than Harrison Bailey's, and and so I it mean, is. I, I I give Bailey credit on this though. Every time we talk about him, he can run a little bit better than 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 probably even I gave him credit for coming out of high school. He got better at it his senior year of high school, and and when he has has had to make some runs at times, he's he's at least been able to escape the pocket and get some yards. So he. 
he's not awful in that regard, but yeah, I, I, I don't view the, either of those guys as a, as a terrific runner. Milton gives you some, but, um, but yeah, it, it's so frustrating to watch him too, because the more we've seen from him, he doesn't take advantage of his body being so big and, and potentially running over people and things like that. You know, just like at the end of the game, Saturday night, he runs out of bounds. Why, why would a guy who's 245 pounds ever run out of bounds, especially in that situation? Um, but it's, I, 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 I see pluses in Milton. I still do. But to me, I just wonder where his head is after how he's played lately and also losing the job, you know, has this shaken him? Uh, the fact that he lost the job so quickly and, and in part because an injury gave hooker a chance to play and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I just wonder where he is at this point after everything that's transpired. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say on it is I, I think we've seen that Milton is not a guy who can come off the bench and immediately spark something. We, we've seen that now a couple of times. So we know that's probably not going to be the case. The argument could be made that, you know, when he was in there before he lost the job to Hooker, um, he he had, what, five or six just terrible, terrible, terrible overthrows. Um, but he also did a lot of good things when he was more in rhythm. So if you start him and you tell him he's your guy and you give him confidence, maybe he builds confidence going into the game a little bit more. Maybe he plays better. Maybe he gets back into a rhythm. You know, maybe maybe he does that. So so that's probably the line of thinking there is that you're, you're still balancing over the course of a 60-minute game with a lot of snaps and you're thinking, I just think Milton's so much more talented that I'm, I, I'm going to roll with him. Uh, plus, you know, Bailey hadn't played. It's a tough time to go in there and, you know, have that be your first play of the year, really. I mean, or first play, significant play of the year, other than handing it off a couple times. That That's not what you what you want. So I I don't know. I, I think it's it would be a really, really difficult decision. Um, I still think I would go with Milton probably, but I, but I know – I understand why reflexively that might completely irritate and aggravate and drive this fan base insane. So my, I understand that. I, fe- be... I, I feel for you guys, but I still think if you're trying to win a 60 minute game, that might be your best choice. I, I, my move, honestly, if, if we were speculating today that, that, Hey, Hendon Hooker's not going to be able to play and you have to go with one of those two guys, I'm starting Milton, but I've got a quick hook. Yes. Um, I'm, but don't, I'm don't no tell question. him that. Don't tell him that. Yeah. Sure, sure, no question. But I, I'm going into the game, seeing if he's able to, to you know, get settled in, and and if I see signs that he just doesn't have it, I'm pulling him. Now, now chances are, I don't think he would play that way. I just think you have to worry about that. Um, and, and Tennessee fans, rightfully, will worry about the just whether this offense really can click with him. I just, I don't know that we've seen enough from either of those quarterbacks for fans to feel great about either option right now, um, if it comes to that. But no question. We know going into the season how how Tennessee staff felt about Joe Milton. I just think clearly that that perception of him has been damaged by what we've seen the past uh, the past months. So it's a, it is a more interesting decision than than I would have thought. And uh, you know that the the I understand the perspective of fans who would say, hey, you know, essentially they were wrong about Milton versus Hooker. Who's to say they're not wrong about about Bailey too? I, I get that. Um, but I also, I, you know, the, the one glimpse of, of Bailey we got to see in a game this year didn't really wow you. You know, he didn't drive right down the field. He had a had a bad throw or two. You know, you, you, you saw some things there that kind of confirmed what we thought, that he's the number three guy on the depth chart for a reason. So I think there are reasons to, to doubt both guys at this point. It's just a matter of which one do you have more trust in if it comes to that point. It will be an interesting decision, but I, I would lean toward you, or like you, I would lean toward – Toward Milton probably being the guy, but I would just maybe have a have a quick hook if it looks like he doesn't have it. Well, I think there's a lot more we can discuss about that situation, and we will do that certainly in, in later podcasts this week. But but moving on, I, I think we've waited half an hour or so, or a little bit more than that, to discuss this. But to my knowledge, at least, and I'm checking right now, I've not seen any updates from the SEC on what it will do about the way Saturday's game ended. I I don't know if, um, you know, they're going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but they're, they're not going to let it slide. They're going to have to at least say something, probably levy a fine, but I I don't know exactly what that deal will be. Um, But at this point, and unless Ryan, you've seen something I have not seen. I, I don't, I don't know that there's been anything offered other than the last SEC statement, which, you know, indicated that a punishment would be coming. Yeah, I have not seen that. You know, we did see Dondi Plowman, the, the UT chancellor, offer a statement, an additional statement on Sunday. 
Uh, you know, t- Tennessee so far, it looks like has tried to take a pretty transparent, um, almost self punitive kind of view of this, like, Hey, we're going to fix this. And, uh, this is not acceptable and, and, and very much denouncing it. Um, uh, interestingly, some fans have been kind of upset by that. I, I don't know what you expect an administrator to do. Oh, it's, it's not that big a deal to throw a bunch of bottles on the field. Screw them. I threw something and, too. Like, you know, and we're more upset about the officiating than about the stuff that you hurled, like the golf ball that you threw at, at, the, at the coach of the opposing team. No, they're, they're going to be upset about that. They're administrators. They have to be, um, I, I get it. I understand fans are upset about the officiating and that is a storyline in this too. That is, um, as we discussed with some people Monday, unfortunately kind of not going to get the, the, the attention it should get because of, of the way Tennessee fans reacted uh, in that situation at the end of the game Saturday night. But, uh, but Tennessee has, has handled it the way you, you pretty much have to, I think, and especially in this day and age. And uh, yeah, I, I think something's going to come of it. It's just a matter of what, you know, I, it sounds like Tennessee's looking into it and trying to trying to to go after the people who who they can prove were involved in throwing things. I, I think that's that's the move you've got to make if you're Tennessee is taking steps to 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 show that anyone who does this in the future is going to be punished. I, I to me that's the answer. I, I've, I've mentioned this to some people since Saturday night. I think there are two ways to stop this if you're serious about it, uh, and if you're the SEC. I'd be thinking about ways to to limit this on a on a league wide basis, but I, there's only two ways to really stop it. You either have enough cameras on the crowd that you can ensure or 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 legitimately threaten to anyone in attendance who throws objects onto the field that you will be prosecuted, um, and you will be banned from your, that stadium for whatever period of time, the rest of the year, multiple years, whatever. If you're caught doing that, uh, and you try to try to put enough cameras on the crowd to do that as a security measure. And or the other is we've seen it in baseball uh, venues over the years. Now we've seen it in hockey arenas. In, in you got to put net in, and in soccer, you got to put netting in front of the crowd. That's the that's the alternative. I don't think anyone wants to go that route, but it's got to be one of those two things if you're if you're serious about it. Otherwise, any to me, anything short of that is you're giving it lip service and you're asking for it to happen again because it will happen again. It's happened before. Happened at Ole Miss in basketball, as Tennessee fans have been eager to point out in a lot of cases the last few days. Um, but it's, it's going to happen again. So that the only way you stop it is you, you threaten and prosecute the people that you can prove were involved and you, and you ensure them ensure, do everything you can to ensure that in the future, any similar situation results in those people being appropriately punished. Well, you know, Tennessee's the reason there's a 10 second runoff rule. So maybe Tennessee can be the reason that there are nets placed around SEC stadiums. I I, I mean, I don't, I would not be a big fan of that. I would, I I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, but I've gotten used to it in baseball after going to a couple games. I don't love it, but I, you just cannot, you cannot, and I cannot emphasize this enough. You cannot throw things on the field, period. You cannot do it. You could actually do damage to people by doing this. This is not, I understand if you're the voice of a fan and you're, you're, you're frustrated, you have no voice, no one will listen to you. What do you do? Same thing an angry kid does. You, you lash out. You feel like that's the only voice for the unheard, oppressed masses is to go out there and do that. And I understand the frustration. I understand why you are angry I understand why you are beside yourself in anger at this continuous, continual, horrible officiating that we see from the Southeastern Conference. And and I mean that. I do not like going there. But if you're an SEC fan and if you look at the past 15 years body of work with Mark Carls and that crew and they get put on your game in a huge game and they make a couple of what I think are mistakes, what I think are mistakes, objective, objective mistakes, and they make those, and nothing is done about them, where, where, as a fan, can you have any confidence? It's like you can't have any confidence in the law if judges are bad or corrupt. And I'm not saying SEC officials are corrupt, but I'm saying is society only really works if you have belief in the authority figures. And if you are an SEC fan, you have legitimate reasons to be just beside yourself, furious, at the way too many games in this conference, the richest conference in America, the most powerful conference in America, are officiated. And I get it. Tennessee, because of a horrible spot of the ball, you know, that's one of the reasons Tennessee lost to Pitt. Consistently bad spotting of the ball 
is another reason why the Ole Miss game, when it went to say nothing of the Tyler Barron touchdown that should have been a touchdown that was comically called back because they decided two minutes later that they had stopped the play when they had never stopped the play. So what I don't understand is how the SEC can continue to do this and not expect issues. I'm not condoning it. And I think people who did something should be punished. But the SEC has got to do something about this. It has been brewing for a long time, and they continue to just pay lip service to this and nothing else, and nothing ever changes. Yeah. I, I, if you're the SEC to me and you're trying to become the, the, uh, the big man on campus in terms of college football and, and all college sports really and, and trying to control the sport, you've got to start investing more resources into officiating and, and doing something to remedy the issues we've seen. Better camera not angles, the, better camera angles too. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL is, is not perfect by any means. And when it comes to officiating, there have been major issues in NFL officiating over the years, including what the heck is a catch that, that the definition of that has evolved over the years. So there are problems there, but I will at least give the NFL credit that when there is an issue with officiating, they try to address it in some form or fashion. They are a little more reactive than you would like, but they at least try to do something about it. In the SEC, the problem is fans have lost all confidence because, as you said, there's very little done other than paying some lip service to, to mistakes that are made. And what we don't hear of any measures being taken to really change things fundamentally. The fact that a crew like this, the fact that people can dig up the history of this crew and find other mistakes they've made as recently as this year is yeah. problematic enough. Um, but on top of that, the fact that you're not taking more action to prevent this from happening even more in the future. And, and uh, I, why do you have a crew like this? That's in this much question on a big conference game. I, I I'm really confused by that. Like send this crew to South Carolina Vandy. Not, maybe not even that. Was there was there a non-conference game this week? But yeah, South Carolina Vandy at best. But like this is a spotlight game to some extent, um, and a ranked opponent. It, it, it was a it's too too good of a game to have a crew like this um, just just screw up that badly. And and the most maybe the most interesting comment to me that came out of Monday's uh, press conference was I think it was Matthew Butler right that was talking about the Statue of Liberty um, play that he. He thought it was a it was a Statue of Liberty play, and uh, and that that's essentially how it played out. So uh, I, I didn't get to go back and watch that play enough to to tell, but that's a very plausible explanation to me. I, I know a lot of people have wondered: Did Matt Corral hear a whistle or something that he thought was a whistle and stop playing? If that's a Statue of Liberty play, it makes it even more inexcusable that that's how this unfolded. So he's a uh, he's I, he's a ball carrier. Yeah. And I totally get. He fans ran being thirty times. He ran thirty times in the freaking game. He's a ball carrier. Yeah. So the the only way to me, uh, you know, if the, the, there were a couple times in the game, I thought I heard a whistle when I didn't. So maybe someone in the crowd had a whistle. If, the, if something like that had been an issue on this, I, I would I would much I, I would have understood that much more than what actually happened, which is just the officials convened and made a call that was wrong. Uh, after chasing the ball down the field 40 yards to, to, to follow Tyler Barron into the end zone. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I didn't understand it at the time. I, I wish they could have somehow reviewed that, that call. I, I, I just, I'm baffled by the whole situation. And, uh, and yeah, that's a part of the storyline that unfortunately is not going to be discussed as much because of the way Tennessee fans reacted. But I, I, I will say to the Tennessee fans who are frustrated about the coverage, it'll die down. Give it a few days. It's already started to die down. To there, me. there just has to be an outrage somewhere else. Yeah, the, the people will move on. It, it was going to be a rough Sunday and Monday. I, I, that was always the setup, but it, it'll blow over well, and it won't be a big deal in the long run. But it's going to be discussed because but uh, if, that, the, if, what, if the SEC has to announce that quickly, though, Ryan, if, if the SEC can play a part in that, too, if the SEC is going to do something, by God, do it today. Don't wait. Yeah, I agree. If this turns into a, you know three-day investigation or, you know, what discussion of what they're going to do. And, and then it's uh, the punishment comes down again. Yeah. It's going to, going to drag this out a little bit longer and make it more uh, of a news cycle. So let, let's uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you want this over with and, and done, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll just say this too. Josh Heupel said it today and I, I sure he's the coach of the program and he's trying to recruit and everything else. But 
I, I believe it. He said, I've been in a lot of competitive arenas as a player and as a coach. There was nothing better that I've ever been in than what happened on Saturday night, talking about the atmosphere of that game. Um, let's not let's not let that get lost in this. It was a fantastic environment. Saturday was a lot of fun. Uh, just after last year, not having crowds really, and then the first few home games we covered this year, you know, lots of empty seats, you know, it doesn't quite feel like the old Tennessee. It, it felt a little bit like the old Tennessee, even though Tennessee's program clearly is not there yet. Saturday is a lot of fun. It's unfortunate that we're having to talk about what happened at the end of the game now instead of just what a what a cool environment that was Saturday night and a fun game and Lane Kiffin coming back and all that stuff. It almost gets overshadowed by what happens at the end. But it was just a fun day to me overall, and uh, and, and I hope that doesn't get lost completely. Yeah, I think that's 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 a good place to leave that discussion until you know because we got to get out of here pretty soon, and we need to talk about recruiting. And, and Ryan, you you did mention. Uh, you were able to, to talk with a lot of the, the main visitors that were in Tennessee this week. I know there were a bunch of guys in, including some, some of the biggest names on the board, too. So uh, a big weekend for recruiting and, and the show they put on. I mean, you can't act like the 30-minute the stoppage of play didn't happen. You can't act like the, 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 the cup-throwing incident didn't happen. But who the hell knows? There might be some kids who loved that, for all I know. I, you know, I don't, you never know what the kids are <laughs> thinking. You just never – the older I get, the more difficult it becomes. And this is the way nature goes. The older you get, the harder it is to understand what kids are thinking and why they're thinking it. That's just, that's just how it goes. That's society. That's the world. That's the nature of things. But, That's you becoming an old man also. But. Sort of, yeah, I'm like three years older than you or whatever, and I'm like the oldest person part, in the world apparently. But, you that's know, part of being 43, right? Apparently, yeah. So so you look at this and oh, – by the way, I'm 39. And, and you, you, <laughs> you look at this and it, it's – it was a big weekend for Tennessee, and the show that was put on for a vast majority of that night was unbelievably good. Like the product – like the, the the way they had everything at the stadium, you know, lighting up everything before the tee was just magnificent. Uh, the the crowd noise was just it was shaking the place. It, that felt like proper Neyland again, and I gotta think that left a mark on players. It, it did, and everyone I've spoken to so far uh, has really not even brought up the end of the game on their own. What one player mentioned it sort of in passing, just to mention the fact that he left the game. Uh, as, as soon as that fourth down play was over. So uh, if, if he even saw any of the, uh, the the things being thrown onto the field, it was just the very beginning as he was leaving. I'm not sure he even caught any of that. So uh, the, the players I've spoken with, some didn't, weren't even still at the game when it happened, and the ones who were didn't, d- didn't seem all that worried about it. Uh, the first thing out of their mouths was universally about the just the environment, the experience itself. One of the players I spoke with, Troy Ford, a four-star Defensive lineman from Savannah, Georgia, said it was probably the loudest stadium he's ever been in. That that's pretty much the feeling that I've I've gotten from uh, from everyone I've spoken with so far. And it's you're you're gonna hear that. I, I say this all the time, and uh, fans sometimes have a hard time believing it. You know, Tennessee was blown out by Georgia four years ago, forty-one nothing, when they had a Checker Nealon game. That one was maybe a little bit different because Tennessee didn't never show any signs of life in that game. But even that day, people were coming away talking about the environment. They were talking about the atmosphere at the game. So when you have a setting like that, and that's why you want kids on campus, even even if you're a heavy underdog in a game like that, you want players to visit for that because that sticks with people. They remember that atmosphere and, and all that much more than what happened in the game. The fact that Tennessee played competitively with Ole Miss actually is an added bonus. I think I think some players I spoke with gave them a lot of credit for they, – they know that Ole Miss is pretty good. They know that was a ranked team. And they know that Tennessee's building back. And so to, to see them play that well and hang with uh, and fight back, too. I, I, I talked to some guys who were impressed by the resilience that team showed Saturday night being down 15 in the first half and, and fighting back to have a chance to win in the final seconds. So uh, to, to, to do all that, I, I, I think you're going to hear nothing but positives come out of that. To me, the bigger question is, will a parent out there somewhere see that, what happened at the end of Saturday's game, and say, do I want to send my kid to a place where fans are that crazy or something like, and even that I'm not sure that's going to happen. If it does, it's going to be a pretty isolated incident, but I I think that's the only potential negative ramification to come from this is does a parent somewhere worry about that? I don't think there's a recruit anywhere who's going to look at that and say, no, I don't want to go there because of that. I just, I just don't, I'll be very surprised if we hear that. And so far I've not heard that, but the, uh, the overall weekend, good weekend there were no official visitors um that may have surprised some people i i kind of always have to remind people 
in-season official visits are not ideal uh, in, in a lot of ways. Coaches don't love having to do that because there are a lot of things you were juggling during the season between Sunday film, Friday night at the hotel with the team and the you know team dinner and, and all that stuff. There's just so much going on during a typical game weekend that it's easier when you can have those official visits either in the summer or in December or whatever. So no official visits for this game, but still some big names. As you said, Walter Nolan, five-star defensive lineman, finally made it to his first game at Tennessee. He, his family had a good time. First thing his dad mentioned was, you know, just the, the vol walk and, and just the atmosphere overall. They've seen some great environments. They were at Texas A&M to see that upset of Alabama. They were at the Florida Alabama game. So they've seen some great ones, but they had a lot of fun Saturday night. Walter Nolan had the, the rock painted for him uh, by fans. So there's, there's no doubt he enjoyed himself and, and Tennessee again, made a good impression there. Um, Caleb Webb uh, to me, that's, that's one of the biggest stories of the weekend, getting him back on campus for the second straight weekend. He's an East Carolina wide receiver commitment from the Atlanta area who is, has racked up, I think more than 10 offers since the start of his senior season, including Tennessee, Tennessee looks like they're in the best shape to, to potentially flip him if they can steal him away from East Carolina, it's just a matter of I think whether that loyalty to East Carolina coming in first means much, but I think at the end of the day, probably going to be tough to turn down Tennessee and the chance to play at an SEC school. So that, that is uh, that's one Tennessee has definitely made a, a good move in. And, and this weekend was a big, big step to get him back on campus. Uh, and then some guys who hadn't visited yet this season, Marcel Reed, uh, the four-star quarterback from NBA in Nashville, that uh, a big visit for him, Caleb Herring, uh, the top end state player in the 2023 class edge rusher from uh, Riverdale high school in Murfreesboro, who was the, uh, the younger brother of Tennessee commitment, Elijah Herring, uh, Caleb Herring. That's a, that's a big deal to get him back in town for the second straight week. Tennessee's clearly in a great spot there. Uh, and some other four stars, Noah Rogers, four-star receiver from North Carolina, Ethan nation, a four-star cornerback from, uh, from Georgia, Ethan Davis, a four-star tight end receiver from Georgia, Jaden Robinson, a four-star linebacker from Florida, uh, Troy Ford, as I mentioned, the four-star defensive lineman from, from Georgia. So some good, good players uh, did make it in. And then some in-state guys uh, beyond that, that Tennessee's going to continue recruiting for a while, like Deshaun Bishop, the running back over at Carnes High School, Bryson Sanders, the offensive lineman from, uh, from Baylor down in Chattanooga, and then uh, Aiden Bussell, the offensive lineman from Mount Juliet, who made his first game this season. So good, good week overall. I, I, should, I should mention also for future classes, Jaden Davis, the number one overall player in the in the country in the 2024 class, a quarterback from South Carolina, uh, just outside Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. He is uh, he was back in town for the second time in, in the past three months. So big, big visit there. And it's going to be a big battle for him. But again, another guy that you want on campus for a game like that. Uh, so so nice, nice showing by Tennessee. A lot of unofficial visitors and and guys that will will see Tennessee recruiting for a long time. And, and it was big to get them in that environment and have them enjoy all that, you know, we'll see the, the lasting impressions of, of that over, over time. But, uh, but yeah, I think Tennessee definitely, again, if you're concerned about recruiting and, and any ramifications about what happened at the end of Saturday's game, I, I've certainly heard of no reason to, to worry about that. And I think that hearing Josh Heupel talk about that on Monday, I think he, he kind of feels the same way that fans or recruits are, are going to take away more of what they saw the first 59 minutes than, than about that final minute. Yeah, and we need to be out of here for time, guys. But I, this, of course, it happened this way. The SEC has just announced, as we're recording this right now, it's two thirty-three Eastern. Uh, the SEC just announced that Tennessee will be fined two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the incident, which, to be honest, is a lot less punitive than I thought it might be. Uh, so here's the rule from the SEC: Tennessee will be assessed a financial penalty of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which will be deducted from the university's share of SEC revenue distribution. Uh, Tennessee will be required to use all available resources, including security, television, and stadium video, to identify the individuals who threw objects on the field, uh, at the playing field, and the opposing team. All, all uh, individuals identified as having been involved in disrupting the game shall be prohibited from attending Tennessee athletics events for the remainder of the athletic and academic year. Uh, review and update its athletic department game management procedures and alcohol availability policies to prevent a recurrence of Saturday night's dis disruption, which shall include an evaluation of agreed-upon SEC sportsmanship, game management, and alcohol policies to verify full compliance with existing standards. And finally, following completion of this review and prior to the University of Tennessee's next home football game, the university shall provide a report to the conference office to summarize its efforts to identify and penalize offenders and its plan to enact policies 
to prevent future similar incidents while ensuring compliance with standards. I got to be honest, Ryan, that feels uh, like, I don't want to say getting off scot-free, but that feels like it could have been a lot worse. Definitely could have been worse. I, you know, I saw some people suggesting over the weekend, some crazy things, uh, you know, people outside this market uh, suggesting uh, Tennessee should get harsher punishment than, than just a fine. I, I, I would have been surprised if it had been anything more than a, than a, a pretty hefty fine, but uh, that's a pretty big dollar figure. I mean, that's a, that's a, what teams get. Isn't that what Texas A&M got for having the, the field storming uh, for the Alabama game? I think that was the same, or maybe that was a hundred thousand either way than the six figure range. Uh, so it's basically the same as that. Uh, that's that, that, that can be equally dangerous. There's, there've been no issues that we've heard of, you know, players being, you know, attacked or anything like that in those, in those celebratory scenes. So this is a little more concerning on the safety end, I think, but it's still a, uh, it, it's in the ballpark. So that, that makes sense. I think to, to see a six figure fine and yeah, I'm sure Tennessee's not, not thrilled about that, but yeah, it, it, it could have been worse. I mean, I, I don't know what action they would have taken beyond a fine, but I, I'm sure they would have at least kicked around some things uh, that you've got to set a set a, uh, uh, a standard here for, for going forward. And, and we'll see now how Tennessee and, and other teams throughout the conference respond. I, I do. I did wonder if alcohol policies would be, would be part of the discussion here. So that is, it's interesting that that at least came up. I don't think they want to go down the road of saying you need to not sell alcohol anymore, but it is, it, this is one of the things that people have wondered about uh, when you started selling, selling beer in the stadium, that does it does it make these types of situations worse? And I don't think alcohol was the reason for it, but it certainly didn't help things, I'm sure. So interesting that that, you know, at least came up in the discussion. Again, don't think the SEC is going to tell a school to turn down revenue like that, but um, it, it's something they've got to at least, you know, look at and make sure they're doing everything the right way and being, being responsible about who they serve and how much and all those things. But um, there, there's, there's really only so much you can do with that kind of thing. I agree. And I think, Ryan, now that we've gone about 10 minutes longer than we needed to, we probably should get out of here unless you got anything else to add. Uh, no, I, th- I think that's it. You know, I, I, w- one more thing on, re- on the recruiting front or, or two quick things. Uh, ten- a couple guys who were not in town that Tennessee continues to be in good shape with. Uh, Jordan Thomas, the Missis- Mississippi State defensive back commitment. Uh, Tennessee had him on campus for the, uh, for the South Carolina game more than a week ago. I think Tennessee is, is still definitely in, in good shape with him to the point that, you know, that you, you, you hesitate to say anybody's the favorite for a guy currently committed to another school, but I think, I think certainly things are, are trending toward the Vols in that one at least. And then, uh, and then Christian Harrison, another guy committed to another school, Liberty, right now. Um, he's the son of Rodney Harrison, the former NFL All-Pro safety uh, defensive back from the Atlanta area. He got an offer from Tennessee last week coming off his visit for the South Carolina game. So that's certainly another flip target to at least keep an eye on moving forward. I think Tennessee's got a, got a real shot there as of right now, but we'll see what other offers he gets. So those are, those are certainly a couple others who were not on campus Saturday definitely worth uh, worth watching going forward as we see the the 2022 board you know starting to come into focus a little bit more we got a better feel i think now for who some of the realistic targets are where where some new offers have gone out and and we'll see where things go from here i think that's a good place to leave it ryan thanks so much for your time man and uh sorry we went a little bit longer than we needed to i know you got stuff to do today no no problem thanks Wes. and you know what guys if i can find that button where is it there it is Thank you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We say this every week, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your Twitter feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govoss247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govoss247, which we inundate with information all day, every day. Tons of stuff for you on there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water directly from the source. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, women's sports with Maria Cornelius covering Lady Vols doing an excellent job, baseball coverage, uh, trash-throwing coverage, SEC disciplinary coverage, anything you want. All of it on there at GoVols247.com. We've also got two forums that run around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go discuss anything you want with us as long as it's not political or religious in nature. And 
all there are thousands of Tennessee fans across the world who will be there all the time, ready to talk shop with you, no matter where you live. We got people in Australia, got people uh, in uh, other parts of Asia. We got we got people, uh, you know, in Africa. We got people in Europe, all over the world, all over the world. We've got places where Tennessee fans are living and they're a member of our community and they are talking shop with us all day long. You get all of that. That's access to a couple dozen, usually fresh content items every day, the best database in all of college sports, uh, the best recruiting database uh, in all of college sports, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. It's a $100 plus annual value uh, a, a juggernaut to uh, be in the streaming world that's on the up and up that's doing bigger and bigger things every week every month you get all that that's everything cbs has ever done commercial free that's tons and tons of exclusive shows now that library is growing uh, stuff like evil picard uh, a couple of yellowstone uh, spinoff shows all of that plus stuff from the vaults of uh, cbs obviously mtv bet nickelodeon smithsonian comedy central plus exclusive movies that are on there now some big blockbuster type movies too that are exclusively on paramount plus classic movies anything you want including live sports sec stuff so obviously vol stuff ncaa uh, football basketball march madness ncaa tournament nfl the uh, pga tour uefa champions league uefa europa league Serie A, all of that for less than one mediocre lunch per month. Guys, that's the best deal, and we're the only ones who can bring it to you. If nothing else, you should hear from us by Thursday, unless there's big breaking news before then, so we'll see. We'll monitor the quarterback situation and all that. Obviously, lots to talk about Thursday with Bama going down there. So until then, guys, uh, be safe out there, and be nice. Have some empathy, and uh, don't don't throw garbage at people. That's, that's not a nice thing to do. See you.